You're listening to episode 129 of the Rebel Buddhist Podcast, where we talk about giving ourselves what we never received and deserved through reparenting. Welcome to the Rebel Buddhist Podcast, where we explore how to use the science of psychology, Eastern spiritual practices like mindfulness and compassion, and the game-changing work of self-coaching so you can free your mind and free your life. I'm your host, Anna Verzoni. Hey, hey, humans. Okay, my latest obsession are these anti-racist Asian snack stickers. Yes, it's a thing. They have one that says no shame fish snacks. I mean, as a Filipinx, I used to be embarrassed at these bags of stinky, tiny, salty fish we ate as snacks, even though they were hella good. So when my friend showed me these stickers, I was like, what? Good, bad English on Etsy, y'all. Crushing it with these. So you need to check them out. Okay, so why are we here today? I think one of the things that pisses off my clients the most is when they are complaining about their partner or something. And I bring it around to the fact that what we usually want from our partners is what we need to learn to give to ourselves. And I get why it pisses them off, because when this concept was introduced to me, it pissed me off too. So I really do get it. My husband was gone a lot the first few years of our kiddo's life, as y'all who've been listening probably know. And I was solo parenting a huge chunk of time. In my brain, it was like, no, what are you talking about? I need someone physically here. I can't give this to myself. How can I give myself support when I'm asking for support from someone else? I can't give myself hugs or hold myself when I'm crying from overwhelm or be in 10 places at once to get all the shit done that I needed to get done, right? And I was like, what's this hugging yourself shit anyway? That's like impossible, isn't it? To hug yourself, isn't your brain like, duh, you're not getting a hug. You're hugging yourself, didn't fool me. (laughs) So apparently that's not true. Apparently when we hug ourselves, the same hormones are released. The same feel-good hormones. Self-hugging apparently releases oxytocin just like hugs from others do. And it also helps to like decrease pain, increase self-compassion, lots of other things. Anyway, so... Usually when we go down this path of radical responsibility and start to consider that we need to give ourselves what we need, there's a lot of resistance. And it makes total sense because often what we're longing for is the exact thing we needed when we were younger that our caregivers didn't give us. And we want someone else to give it to us. We feel that would close the gap and help us heal it. For example, especially if you had an abusive parent, for example, there's often a part of us that's sort of stunted at that point in our development where we experienced that pain, right? Even even if it wasn't abuse, where we get stunted where we experienced that cathartic pain. It's like we're trapped there because there's unfinished business, unmet needs. And we really, really, really want like our partner to meet those needs for us our friends, or our siblings, or others in our life, right? And this is often why we end up dating someone like one of our parents a lot of the time. Is it nice when someone else meets our needs? Sure. And this is a crazy heavy burden to put onto someone else. Oftentimes, 
When we get two dancing to this tango, we end up with codependent relationships. When one partner needs the other partner who in turn needs to be needed. Yikes, right? So because this stems from our experience and is our responsibility and not someone else's, it's actually good news. It means we can make a difference. If we own that we created this current reality as an adult, not in the victim situation as a child, it also means we can create our new reality. What we can do to give ourselves what we need now that we're grown-ass adults is to reparent ourselves. If we didn't receive sufficient nurturing in childhood, as an adult, we may feel like an insatiable need, an inability to feel joy in others' abundance or success or happiness, or we have a lack of self-worth despite our intellectual understanding of our competence and confidence, right? These feelings may arise in our relationships as well as when we are alone or on the meditation cushion, right? Or on the yoga mat. We might obsess over our behavior as a parent or in our romantic relationships because of these childhood wounds. Sometimes we may feel like "Eh, it's too late or that we're forever stuck or broken in this perceived inadequacy, right? We may believe our fear of being abandoned or our apparent like neediness will always define us. But listen, don't buy into this. It's only a story that's being created by our mind. As we develop mindfulness, we can find our capacity to be in the moment includes the ability to nurture ourselves and others. So the Buddhist practices of loving kindness, empathetic joy, and compassion can feed our capacity to nourish. And finding teachers and mentors who nourish without creating the codependency of excessive nurturing can give us inspiration and role models too. So when we're reparenting, we're giving ourselves what we didn't receive from our caregivers back when we were a kid to help heal those wounds. So here's the thing. Bottom line, even if you were a little shit, every child is worthy and lovable and deserves to be seen, heard, and cared for just by being born, right? Being able to reparent ourselves allows us to give ourselves that, all of that, right? When our caregivers didn't. It's one way that we can rewrite our past and it actually works. So, you know, now at this point, you might be wondering, why should I go through this if I can find someone who might be able to do this for me? Well, one reason is to prevent unhealthy relationships based in codependency. Another is to not have our happiness rely on other people doing or being a certain way until we allow ourselves to be happy and to feel loved and worthy. I don't know if you've noticed, but humans are notoriously unreliable. We might be smashingly good-looking and charming at times, but we are also terribly fucking unreliable. So yes, While we can make requests for others to help, like I did with my husband, the sweet spot is not letting our happiness depend on others' thoughts, feelings, or actions. So this, my friends, is hard as fuck at times, as you can imagine. We really have others giving it to us as a huge part of the narrative we want to play out when we want to heal this wound. And truth is, therapy or a genuinely balanced, nurturing relationship can provide this container of being seen heard, and cared for. 
And I am assuming we've all had days, months, or years when that didn't quite pan out like we had wanted it to when we looked for it from outside of us. So I highly encourage you to learn more some of these techniques I'm about to talk about of reparenting since it'll come up at some point if it isn't there already. So here are some key steps, right? Step one is mindfulness of our past, doing the work to discover what we missed out on as a child and how it affected us. And at first, we might not easily see this. I remember hanging out with friends in high school and everyone was going around saying what annoyed them about their family. And when it came to me, I was like, no, 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 I have it pretty good. And part of that was straight up like immigrant stuff right there, right? Like my mom being first generation immigrant, my dad being an orphan, like pull yourself up by your bootstrap stuff. Like, hey, so many people have it worse than me that it's okay, I'm good. But my friend Michael looked at me and he was like, that is such bullshit. Your mom is abusive and your dad has schizophrenia and shows up here like at school doing crazy shit. It is not all good. And I was kind of like, I mean, I was speechless. And that was one of the first times I think that I paused and allowed myself to consider that my childhood may have been tough. Crazy, right? And in fact, one thing I've learned over the years is one of the telltale signs of a wound is when someone is dismissive of painful childhood events, like, oh, all Asian kids are beaten like that, all Italian kids are beaten like that, or whatever, right? Or it really wasn't that bad. It could have been worse. So we can ask ourselves, was I allowed to express my feelings? Did people validate my emotional experiences? Did I feel safe? Were my caregivers reliable? Did people notice me, pay attention, and listen to me? Was I neglected, left out, or ignored? Because these experiences influence the filters through which we see the world and ourselves. It impacts our self-image, our sense of worth and lovability. It impacts our relationships. Oh, shit, right? How we handle challenging situations and difficult emotions is also a result of this. How our parents treated us and showed up for us or not. When difficult emotions or situations pop up, how do we react? How do we, like, do we tend to blame others, blame ourselves, suppress it or act it out? And some people call these coping mechanisms, right? And they help us feel safe growing up. I mean, we didn't have the autonomy to do much else, right? But it doesn't mean it's healthy or effective as adults to keep using them. So the next step is to connect with what reality must have been like for us as a kid. We live in a world that basically tells us to suck it up and grow up, right? Researchers want us to measure our resiliency levels when we're just in elementary school, for fuck's sake. And this this forces us to repress our inner child and make an attempt at growing up. But really, as you may have noticed, most adults walk around like little freaking children. And I don't necessarily mean that in a derogatory way. I mean it in a compassionate way. Look, when we are losing our shit and are upset, that's not our adult self-communicating. That is our inner child having a reaction, feeling unsafe, feeling the wound. And it takes time, work, and support to get to that place of emotional adulthood when it hasn't been modeled well and when our wounds feel fresh decades later. And with trauma, it's like we're frozen in time, right? And since we experienced a painful event when we were a child, a part of us is still stuck in our childhood. So to truly heal includes 
connecting with our inner child and giving that part of us what we needed and deserved. You know, we do this work in the Adventure Mastermind, right? We have a whole section where we connect with our childhood selves, let them know we're here as grown-ass adults with way more resources and capacity. And in the case of the Adventure Mastermind container, right? Support. So we start the process of reparenting by treating ourselves with the love, kindness, and respect we deserve in a way our caregivers couldn't. Another thing we can try is to imagine a child we know now, who's the age we were at at the time of our challenging experiences. Imagine them going through what you did. When I do this, I think about my daughter who's seven and the terror she would feel if I abused her in the way I was abused. I mean, it was really eye-opening to do this. And I was like flooded with the real sense of self-compassion for that me at seven-year-olds, that, like at seven years old, that had my mom like banging on my locked door trying to break it down to get to me, to beat me, right? So it's like when we think about, you know, so that, that seven-year-old, that 10-year-old that you know now, what would it feel like for them to be treated the way you were treated? And that's so eye-opening and helps us to feel that self-compassion for ourselves at that age when we think about what we experienced, right? Now, step three is kind of multifaceted, right? Because it's learning what our caregivers couldn't teach us and cultivating understanding and hopefully even compassion for why that may have been the case that they couldn't teach us. So sometimes our caregivers couldn't give us what we needed emotionally. For my mom, she had PTSD from World War II when her village and home in the Visayas in the Philippines was heavily bombed. She lost a sibling and she was so young when that happened. She was barely making it through each day, let alone being married to have someone with poorly controlled schizoaffective disorder and the stressors of that, right? So barely making it through each day, let alone having the capacity to show up for me in the way I needed. So we can have compassion and also still recognize our suffering in that and offer ourselves self-compassion. When this happens, we might lack important like social and emotional skills that we need to have healthy relationships and live a healthy, fulfilling life, right? Like having healthy boundaries or refined emotional intelligence. And in these scenarios, we often don't learn how to even experience emotions in a healthy way, like how to identify emotions, express emotions, manage and accept our emotions, which if we had, probably would have helped us form healthier relationships as well as be less likely to get hooked by our emotional experiences, right? We can be more objective and approach it with our wise mind instead of our reactive mind. So for me, because of my traumas, I hardly had any boundaries and didn't even know what that was, really. And the ones I tried to have were violated over and over. So I didn't know what healthy boundaries were or how to enforce them. Being able to set healthy boundaries also means setting limits and drawing the line between what we are and aren't okay with. It also means determining the consequences for when the boundaries are violated. So this is part of how I started to take ownership of the way I created the dynamic I had with my husband back then. I didn't enforce any boundaries. I just got mad and raged and just kept 
asking him to do things differently. And I thought that would help, which surprise, surprise, it didn't, right? And other things we may not have learned are things like resilience, the capacity to recover quickly from difficulties, a sort of like Yeah, I mean, it's this sort of toughness, right? The ability to bounce back and ideally bounce back better. But that comes with self-compassion too, right? I give a free resilience training in the Rebel Buddhist training kit. So over at rebelbuddhist.com, you can sign up for free for that if you want to check it out. Resilience gives us the strength to manage stress and challenging situations and to adapt to different situations. And something related to resilience is we might have a lower threshold for what's called frustration tolerance too, which is our ability to accept that things don't always go as planned and be able to react from our wise mind and emotional maturity. Yeah, I'm still working on this one. I've made big strides since I first started my practice, right? But I particularly lose my shit when people try to enforce rules or logic that don't make any sense. Like people having to be afraid to explore their consciousness with plants that grow from the earth. I mean, aren't you like give me some of that frustration tolerance, right? Unfortunately, it doesn't come in a pill. So when things don't go our way, if we've cultivated frustration tolerance, instead of overreacting or catastrophizing and imagining worst case scenarios, we can remind ourselves of impermanence and that nothing is going to stay the same. We can remind ourselves that we suffer when we are resisting reality. We can remind ourselves that surprises and changes are inevitable, not just a way the universe has chosen us to take down, right? We don't take it personally. The only thing we have control over is our responses, so all we can do is our best. All right, so now let me talk a bit about radical responsibility, which is really also accountability, a skill that may not have been modeled for us, right? Being able to apologize and make amends when we've done something wrong is a skill that emotionally mature people have and that many people still lack. I mean, often emotionally immature adults will blame others and will blame circumstances for their behavior. Like, oh, it's what you did that drove me to do that, right? Before even thinking about taking responsibility for their actions. So if this wasn't modeled for us, we might not have learned to be aware of admitting and taking responsibility when we did something wrong, hurt someone, or made a mistake. Like, do you ever get pissed when someone you know seems like they just can't apologize and it's like, oh my gosh, why can't you just say you're sorry? This might be a part of it. And if it's something we do ourselves, we can have self-compassion for that too, right? It makes sense when it wasn't modeled for us. We don't need to feed our inner critic or shame ourselves. We can learn so we don't repeat the pattern. We can try and see our role in what happened. And it always takes two to tango, my friends, and try to understand what happened from the other person's perspective. So we acknowledge our mistake and sincerely apologize. And the sincerity can only come when we've taken responsibility for our part. Now, many of us, for various reasons, some of which were out of our caregiver's control, lacked the love we deserved as a child, right? Well, our parents may have been busy working long shifts to pay the bills and came home exhausted and they didn't have the energy to give us the attention and care we needed and deserved. Or there were eight other kids running around. And sure, other times there are caregivers who didn't know how to love and care for a child. But the good news is since we're older now, 
The only one who can unconditionally love us is ourselves and maybe our dog, right? And as we reparent ourselves, having that self-compassion and being able to be kind to ourselves is essential. Self-love is being able to do nice things for ourselves and to talk to ourselves with the same kindness, care, and support that we would give a friend, right? And if we have a particularly harsh inner critic, this can seem really challenging. So we can just start with a simple acceptance of all of ourselves, even our imperfections. We can start with not casting out parts of ourselves that we don't like into the shadows. As Dick Short says, there are no bad parts. Then we can choose to intentionally focus on what we like about ourselves because we tend to focus on the negative since we feel that will keep us safe and protect us, right? But we need to reorient where our default attention goes. So some of the other aspects of this befriending ourselves is trusting our emotional experience, self-discipline and having our own back, inner exploration and discovery and authentic self-expression and not just people-pleasing to be accepted. You know, living the life we want and deserve is a deep self-love practice. Now, that's a long list of skills we may need to learn, and I've hooked you up with free trainings on many of these, like how to create better boundaries, living authentically, and more over at my Linktree account. That's where all of them live in one spot, so I'll link to them in the show notes. But we can just pick a place to start and be patient and kind to ourselves. There's no rush. This is why we're even here to walk this path in this life, yeah? Yeah. And we can do ourselves a favor right at the get-go and let go of trying to be perfect about all this. No one has their shit together so much that they do this perfectly. And healing isn't linear, right? You've heard me talk about the spiral path where we revisit things over and over in our lifetime, our lifetimes. And as we do the work, when we revisit it, we're usually at a place where we are closer to our wise mind and open heart. Not perfectly there, closer. And as we do this work, we find that we can create more meaningful relationships and even start to create a healthy support network. Our unhealthy patterns have undoubtedly shown up in the past, in current and past relationships, right? And having awareness of this is where we start. Mindfulness of this is where it begins. Because this is not meant to be done alone. This is why while it can start in therapy or one-on-one coaching, It is so helpful to have a community, right? Support is crucial for emotional health. And it's really helpful to have people around to support us as we heal. Like we discussed in last week's episode of bearing witness and having an empathetic witness. They can offer us compassion, validate the pain we experience, and remind us that, for example, the pain we experienced was not our fault. It also helps us feel less alone. Now, I want to emphasize here that a fifth step is to start taking action to give ourselves what our caregivers couldn't. So not just learning skills, but giving ourselves what our caregivers couldn't. Learning to identify and meet our needs and not minimize or push them away, right? Or wait until someone else gives it to us. So this can look like self-compassion and bringing kindness to ourselves, being proud of our accomplishments and not diminishing them. So we stop abusing and abandoning and bullying and sabotaging ourselves. And again, picture little you. Would you treat them this way? Be kind to them. Be kind to you. 
We can keep promises to ourselves and have our own backs. When we say we're going to do something for our health or our joy, we do it. My God, it drove me nuts when my mom backed out of promises, right? I think this is why I can be so damn disciplined when I need to be. I'm like, I do keep my word. I'm not like that. I do what I say I'm going to do, right? And this is possible for you too. You can check out the Massive Action episode and the Commitment episode I linked to in the show notes. All right, so we can also do things and stay on the path, not from a spiritual materialism way. That's like, I'm better than others because I'm doing all this personal growth work or I need this to be healthy, otherwise I can't heal, which some people do and get almost addicted to like taking program after program, not because it's joyful, but because they feel they're lacking if they don't. That's not what I mean here. Rather, it's about committing to healing and to discovering the path that works for you. For some, it's adventure and exploring our psyche and our consciousness, like in the Adventure Mastermind. Some people see that and they're like, bam, that's the one for me, right? For others, it's their spiritual community. For others, it's various therapists or other programs or support groups. The most important thing is to be committed to the healing that you deserve. So you may live a more fulfilled and meaningful life with less unnecessary suffering, right? Something that can help us is also intentionally focusing on the many ways that we are nurtured and how we nurture others in our greater community, because there's likely evidence that we don't see or acknowledge. That kind smile from the male person, the wave from the neighbor, the text you got from your busy friend, the lick on the face your dog or cat gave you, the way we helped out a stranger— Noticing this, intentionally looking for this evidence helps to start break down the story we have about our pain and our wounding and provides evidence to the contrary. So now I want to circle back to authenticity because this is really the ultimate step here and it can be hard as fucking scary to do so. The reality for a lot of us is that we have many characteristics and goals and dreams based on how our caregivers wanted us to be or how others around us wanted us to be. And it can be quite the journey to discover who am I really without the concerns of how others want me to be? What do I want? How would I live if I wasn't afraid of disappointing others or of failing? So this is a huge part of what we do in Freedom School and in the Adventure Mastermind and where plant medicine can come in super handy in showing us that which we have a hard time opening to, right? Deep meditation, solo time in nature, in particular wilderness fast. Those are other options we use in the programs, right? For those that want to try different ways of accessing this authenticity and deep longing. So you can explore those for yourself. Nurturing begins with a mindful intention that this is something we want to cultivate, And by giving up clinging to some agenda that nurturing should be a certain way and instead simply staying with our intention, we slowly start to develop an inner nurturer that shifts both our feelings of lack of worthiness and our story. So we have to know what we want. We have to know who we are. This is ZG, right? That radiant inner confidence. So of course, This is easier said than done, right? It takes time, commitment, and patience. There's not a quick fix. But remember, reparenting yourself allows us to heal. It allows us to be able to let go of the past, to live in the present moment, to look forward to the future. 
It's worth it. It gives us the opportunity to live a healthy, fulfilling life despite the challenges life sends our way. And it will send them. So this work is so beneficial. You deserve love, freedom, and happiness in your life. You really do deserve those things that you didn't receive. So what's one way you can give yourself something you are longing for someone else to give you? It can even be small. Like, I order myself flowers, and they make me happy when I receive them. I book massages for myself. I hire babysitters when I need alone time. One of the most powerful ways I do this that's completely free is I have a self-compassion practice where I notice I'm suffering. And when I notice that, I literally hug myself or I place my hand on my heart and say kind words to myself like, this must be hard, Anna. What do you need right now? What can I do for you right now? And I give myself that. What would that be for you, Rebel One? I'll see you next week. If you like what you heard, please spread the love and share it. And if you know you need some help with this and want to learn more about how to free your mind and free your life, go to rebelbuddhist.com and grab my free Rebel Buddhist Toolkit, where you'll receive a video training on cultivating resilience, access to the private Rebel Buddhist group where I do weekly live sessions on topics just like this, and a copy of the gorgeous Rebel Buddhist Manifesto, and more for free. That's rebelbuddhist.com.